the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. One of the things that I hope to be able to talk about yesterday at the forum at the Metropolitan Club about House Bill 616 was just the absurdity of the era that we're in right now. In the final segment of the show that's coming up, I will play my final comment, along with what I thought was the most insightful comment of the day by Troy McIntosh of the Center for Christian Virtue. But I didn't get a chance to just mention how absurd it is that we have uh, the NCAA allowing a biological man, Leah Thomas of Penn University, born Will Thomas, still a biological man, winning an NCAA women's swimming title. We have the U.S. government tweeting out a congratulatory social media post to Rachel Levine as the first female four-star admiral when Rachel Levine has a penis, because Rachel Levine is a biological man. We have the head of Planned Parenthood in Austin, Texas, Two weeks ago, testifying before Congress, the head of Planned Parenthood in Austin, Texas, testifying before Congress. She's the head of Planned Parenthood. She deals with pregnancies literally all day long, testifying before Congress when asked, can a man become pregnant and have an abortion? She said yes. And we have, in the height of absurdity, a soon-to-be-sitting Supreme Court justice who could not define what a woman is when asked to do so in her Senate confirmation hearing. So given all that absurdity, it should not be a surprise that yesterday, on the 1st of June, the 1st of Gay Pride Month, remember when the uh, LGBTQ agenda was the lesbian and gay agenda? And then it was lesbian, gay, bisexual. And then it was LGBTQ. T, transgender, and then it was LGBTQ, and then it was LGBTQIA+. So every weird, deviant, strange, abnormal sexual perversion deserves its own character or letter. And so, because we are nothing, if not super woke as a country now, with a president in the White House who concurs with all this nonsense, it should not surprise anyone that the start of Gay Pride Month resulted in three of the six branches of the U.S. military posting on social media yesterday about how awesome it is that June is Pride Month, including including a post from the United States Marine Corps. Remember Iwo Jima? Remember Guadalcanal? Remember the first guys who go in when we need something done, the Marines? Well, 
I don't know where we're going to storm now, maybe San Francisco, but the Marines tweeted a camouflaged helmet with a band on the helmet that reads, Proud to Serve, and six rainbow-tipped bullets. I'm going to say they are rainbow-tipped bullets because to consider what else they might be makes me exceedingly uncomfortable. To the United States Air Force we go. The account has a blue check mark and everything. Happy Pride Month. We are the best UASF by leveraging the diverse backgrounds and strength of each member of our total force. We are committed to making the Air Force a place where we can all reach their full potential. That would be an it. The Air Force is an it, but it's probably a hateful pronoun to say an it. Hashtag on the post, celebrate pride with a, by all accounts, I don't mean to be hateful, female cadet with, of course, a rainbow forearm and hand. How wonderful. What must Vladimir Putin or Chairman Xi Jinping think when they look at such posts from our United States military? Oh, I'm sure they cower in fear, if not collapse in laughter. Now, I was reading you some of the collected headlines that I have over the last two weeks, just two weeks of headlines that you would, what, three, four, five years ago, read and say, um, is this a parody? Is this from The Onion? Uh, no, it is not. I gave you the story last week of a Las Vegas mom who read from a book, Gender Queer. Well, now a Colorado mom has read from the same book and another called Lawn Boy at a school board, and she, like the one in Las Vegas, was shouted down by school board members because what she was reading was deemed pornographic. This is an adult American woman, a mom, reading at an open school board meeting a book that can be checked out of the high school library, which is deemed by the hearers, adults themselves, members of the school board, to be obscene. The mom can't read it out loud at a school board meeting, but her kid can check it out of the library and can read it. And yes, of course, it is equipped with pictures. Another headline, Laverne Cox, who I had never heard of before, is a transgender woman, which is to say Laverne Cox is a biological male. And Laverne Cox now has Laverne Cox's own Barbie doll because I refuse to call Laverne Cox by a pronoun that does not apply to the biological sex that applies to Laverne Cox. Here's one of my favorites. Arizona Department of Education. That's a state agency, ladies and gentlemen. Arizona Department of Education promotes chat rooms for kids to talk about sex and gender. The Arizona Department of Education links to chat rooms on its website for LGBTQ+. Wow, how hateful. They left out the IA. LGBTQ plus minors to discuss sex and gender. Minors to discuss sex and gender with adult moderators present without their parents necessarily knowing. Of course, why would their parents be involved in such discussions as that? Well, I can tell you why. I can absolutely tell you why. The reason why... Schools contend 
that there's no need, whether it's Olentangy, whether it's North Carolina, whether it's Arizona, wherever it is, there is no need for educators, even the ones in Hilliard, that were schooled about 12-year-olds knowing everything about gender from the estimable Amanda of Kaleidoscope Youth Center. The reason why they do not want you to know as parents is because they do not recognize your authority as parents. What did Joe Biden say a couple weeks ago? They are our children. No, they are not your children, Joe. Not your creepy, hair-smelling children. And they are not the children of your whacked Secretary of Education or of your other administrative types who believe that merely by announcing themselves to be a man or a woman, they are, in fact, a man or a woman. This is a sickness, a sickness called expressive individualism, expressive individualism. And theologian Carl Truman of Grove City College, the author of The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, says this is a situation in our society where we are required to affirm that whatever a person thinks is. Failing to do so, in effect, is to deny that someone is who they think they are. That is, in a nutshell, where the Western world is today. And the end game of all of this is, as Carl Truman says, and as I firmly believe, the stated goal of the left to destroy the bond between parents and children. Because once you have destroyed the bond between parents and children, and this is a lot of what abortion is about, you destroy in a mother the innate desire to protect their child with their own life. And you instead bastardize that, that the mother's life is denied richness and fullness by the birth of the child. And they will preserve the worth of the mother's life by killing the child. Well, then you have succeeded in the most nefarious, duplicitous kind of mind control that there absolutely positively ever could be. And the simple question to ask yourself in that case is, could a side that is doing those things possibly have any good in it? At the conclusion of yesterday's forum at the Columbus Metropolitan Club about House Bill 616, each of the panelists was asked to give final thoughts after we had heard each other speak. And I said earlier in the show that one of the reasons why I'm glad I participated in the program was because it gave me a chance to meet, shake the hand, uh, sit next to, uh, both during lunch and during the program, of Denzel Porteous. Uh, Mr. Porteous is the head of Stonewall Union in Columbus. It's a gay organization. He and I will not agree on gay rights issues. But he impressed me as a man who loves his daughter, and that is a noble thing. I didn't get the chance to talk to Mr. Porteous about his takeaway, but I wanted to share it with you. I want to make sure that people find their happiness, and happiness for many of us resides in our identity and how we develop um, and I think that if we aren't creating spaces where we as adults remember what it was like to be young people um, and how challenging it might have been to understand and discover who we were, 
um, then we need to do the work to make sure that our young people are growing up and finding spaces where they can develop and understand who they are uh, and be fully happy people. Now, my sense of Mr. Porteous yesterday is that he is a reasonable man, and I think that's good. We need to have reasonable discussions. I'm not trying to pick on semantics, but I think there's an important distinction between happiness and contentment. This opinion that is often voiced that we have to do or work toward doing whatever makes our kids happy is one that I quarrel with staunchly because I do not believe it is good for kids. I believe contentment is a worthwhile pursuit, but that happiness is related to circumstances. And if you rely on circumstances to be happy, you will not be happy long. But you can be content in difficult circumstances. It's your faith, your friendships. You can be content in difficult circumstances. Let's take, for instance, the Uvalde, Texas shooter. He seemed happy holding up a bag of dead cats that he had apparently murdered. That made him happy. How did that work out for those innocent little children? See, nobody told that kid, the shooter, no. Or they didn't ingrain consequences for his action, for his antisocial behavior. He was left to pursue whatever he wanted to pursue by whatever guns he wanted to buy, by whatever ammo he wanted to buy. Disrespect the authority of his mother, his grandmother, and you saw where that led. He pursued happiness. He didn't find it. He would have been better served, and our entire culture would be better served if he had pursued contentment, which is dealing with the adversity in your life, realizing that you get bad breaks, relationships go sour, people betray you, let you down, fall short of your expectations, and yet still that does not have to result in you lashing out in search of some temporal feeling of happiness. Now, after Mr. Porteous spoke yesterday, a woman asked me a question from the audience. Why do I think there is a need for House Bill 616? This was a portion of my answer. It's interesting to sit in this room with a bunch of clearly successful people, leaders in the business community. And I would just ask you, when were sexual topics and sex education topics broached with you in school? You've obviously had a successful route to the top. Were they broached with you when you were in kindergarten, first grade, second grade? Or were they broached with you in sixth grade or ninth grade? What's the hurry? What's the need to talk to kids about this? That's why I think we need House Bill 616, because it is not age appropriate at K, 1, 2, and 3 for these topics to be broached with children. Now, you guys know I'm a man of faith. You know that I uh, have, have extolled before the writings of Solomon. I read Proverbs every day. In Ecclesiastes, he writes about, for everything there is a season, and certainly I, I'm not a prude. I understand that kids need to be educated on matters regarding their own bodies and their attraction to others and all that, but I just don't think K, 1, 2, 3, and I would add 4, 5 uh, to that, and maybe 6 and 7 uh, to that, but I think you're going through it at 6 and 7. I have no problem with you want to get into it, but it'd be heavily governed by the state because I just don't trust teachers. I do not trust teachers. I do not trust the woke agenda out there. And I will say, and I don't say this lightly, um, I got a lot of teachers I really like, a lot of good Christian teachers. But honestly, folks, uh, I would never vote for a public school levy in any district. And I would do everything I could to get my kids out of schools that are public schools and put them in a private school or homeschool them. 
because I believe our education system is broken. I don't know if it's irreparably broken, but it is badly broken, and it is a long way from being at the point where you can trust it as a parent. The final cut that I'm going to play you today is from Troy McIntosh of the Center for Christian Virtue, who I thought said the wisest thing yesterday as it applied to our entire discussion on House Bill 616. Denzel and I, although I'm sure we agree on many things, he's a Browns fan, we may agree on one more thing. Okay, (laughs) Um, I'm sure we agree on many things, but we have fundamentally different worldviews that lead us to interpret things in different ways, right? And so how he views giving kids space to be happy is naturally flowing from a worldview that he holds that's different than my worldview. So I would approach that concept differently. This is, and in a lot of ways, they're irreconcilable. This is the problem we have in today's society. How do you live in a pluralistic, multicultural society when you have things that want to force them into one method? That's why I'll give a little side a plug here. House Bill 290 attempts to approach this, the backpack bill, by giving parents the ability to say, this is the kind of education I want my student to have. And they should have the ability to take the state's funding with them to that particular kind. If a, if a parent elects to have a school that teaches gender identity to K through third graders, then they ought to be able to have that authority and they ought to be able to go to that school. If a parent has a fundamentally different worldview and an idea of what they want their kid to be, then if the state's going to compel that child to go to school, they ought to have the ability to take the money the state provides and select the kind of education they want for their kid. I do think that's going to be the only solution. We are going to have to be able to vote. As we do with PatriotSwitch.com, with our dollars, with our kids. Where are they going to school? What are we going to do with them? Where are we going to take them? What are we going to allow to be taught to them? And I know it's noble to say that we're going to seek some middle ground or we're going to come to some consensus. If you are someone who wants to ingrain a sexual ideology in my child that is antithetical to their creation by a holy, loving God, I'm not going to ever compromise. I'm not going to ever meet you in the middle on that. And I understand, while I'm holding out for my parental autonomy on that, you have every right to hold out for your parental autonomy on that. Every consequential decision that we've made in our family, where our kids go to school, where we go to church as a family, have been made with our kids first and foremost in our minds. There is nothing more important than what we do for our kids, and that is your prerogative as a parent. Not the OEA, not the American Federation of Teachers, and I will fight tooth and nail for myself, for my family, and for you, as long as I'm privileged to have this platform. Every decision I make, every single one is made through that prism of answering, having an answer to the question, what did I do with my life to defend those who could not defend themselves? Whether it's on the unborn in the womb, or whether it's my kids in schools, whether it's your kids in schools or the tide of our culture that is trying to take parental authority away from our kids, because I believe that is divinely given to us by God, and so I will not compromise on it. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.